You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. This week's guests I want to tell you about, uh, first and foremost, it's Arthur and Teresa Beam. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, I found their video among many other videos, probably in 2017, no, wait. 2018, maybe 2019, when I was considering reverting to the faith, I went to, uh, I don't even know how I found the journey home with Marcus Grodi, but I saw a series of videos and just binged, binge watched. Anyway, their story is phenomenal. We're going to get into that, but I do want to tell you something. They have a book, they have several books, uh, but Arthur and Teresa wrote a book called The Kingdom, How God Led Us from Protestantism into the Catholic Truth. It's, I'm just going to read a little bit about the, the description. For the 10th anniversary of their confirmation into the Catholic Church, Easter of, 20, of 2008, Arthur and, and Teresa tell their journey into Christ's kingdom, Catholicism. Of all the strangest places, their adventure began in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. While their childhood experiences in Adventism vastly differ, they explain how God was reaching out to them and preparing their hearts for the truth in everyday experiences. This is their thank you Catholicism gift to the Christian world. Arthur, Teresa, you tell me that 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 really speaks to me. Um, the fact that you have these differing paths, but there's a very distinct call. Where did all of this start for, for the two of you? I'll let Arthur start first. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I had probably more than one entry point <clears throat> growing up we were I, my family was ultra orthodox adventist my father was a teacher then a principal then an educational superintendent over uh, arkansas louisiana texas uh you know ordained pastor but you started up in the and then north I'm, I'm getting there oh. <clears throat> but but it was a build-up when we were up in uh, washington state he was uh, principal over the school there in Seattle. Um, so our, our upbringing was, if you almost to the letter, what uh, Ellen White would sit out nowadays. So- <clears throat> Well, tell them who Ellen White is. Ellen, Ellen White, uh, the foundress of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, wrote many books, and influenced uh, everything that, that is seen that Adventists see is, in the Bible is influenced through the lens of Ellen White. Got it, okay. Yes, the prophetess. That's probably the, the best way to put it. Um, and this was in the age, just for people that don't know, this was 1840s, 1850s, something around there, right? Right. Well, Ellen White started out earlier in the earlier 1800s, but the church came about 1863. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so um, it's hard for people to, to understand that aren't Seventh-day Adventists uh, because a lot of the modern-day Adventists nowadays don't admit that pretty much everything that they view is through Ellen White and her writings. They'll say, no, we're Bible-believing. Yes. Like Planned Parenthood has distanced themselves from, uh, from Margaret Sanger. Yeah. <laughs> Adventists are distancing themselves right. from uh, Ellen, White, Ellen White, but it's difficult to actually break ties with her because right. it's through her visions that right. they interpret scripture. So their schools, their lessons in uh, their, they call it Sabbath school instead of Sunday school. Sure. Uh, everything reflects Ellen White's writings, her thoughts, and her beliefs. Got it. Uh, especially even, they have their own school system. All their books reflect that. And if it doesn't, they make sure it does. 
you know, they, they're not going to bring in a book that, that says anything against, you know, what Ellen White uh, said or believed or anything like that. So this is the whole environment that I grew up in. <clears throat> and my father and uh, my grandfather, his father and my grandmother, extremely, extremely Orthodox Adventists. Um, so my view of Catholicism comes from the view that was set out by Ellen White. Now, the two things, the two pronged things that you will see in pretty much every Adventist institution and group around the nation and around the world is their health message yep. and eschatology or the study of end time events. So everything's seen through the views of Ellen White so when you think of Daniel Revelation, if you go around to towns around the, the country, you'll see big billboards and you'll see a Daniel Revelation seminar. That's Adventists. Nobody else really does that. So you'll see the four beasts of Revelation and all of that. That's Adventists. So they focus a lot of their money and efforts in that, in health message, you know, Dietary basically comes from the old covenant, you know, vegetarianism. Um, no, and if you do eat meat, no shellfish. Right. Then, uh, just the uh, Jewish, you know, when you oh, right. yeah. Adventist does eat meat and then they go uh, out on a plane or something, they always get the Jewish um, kosher the meals. They just go, oh, right. we're kosher, you know. Right. Got it. So, uh, and they're very proud of that. And they teach that they have health uh, places all around the nation. Loma Linda University in California is a, founded by the Seventh-day Adventists. And at least it was at one time uh, Orthodox and they lean towards the whole health message as well. So sure. this is an environment I grew up in. And in that environment, the view of Catholicism is um, very prejudice against. It's not the same as other Protestants. They, they, they don't go straight to, oh, they weren't sola fide. They, they, they are not, they take that. Nowadays, they'll say that that's what it is, but that's not actually the basis of their, dis, their uh, fear of Catholics. Yeah, yeah. But Catholics, for a while, we go to Mass on Sunday, which we're working on a piece right now in another project that we do. Uh, that we talk about the story of the Sabbath. Sure. And this particular uh, piece is, is speaking directly to the fact that Catholics have always gone to Mass every single day. Every At least day. it was available. It was available. Yeah. yeah. You know, that was, that was a common thing. That's what you did. And Adventists teach that pretty much Sunday worshipers, that is the mark of the beast. 666 to them means that's the mark of the beast. And you, you're, should I say you should be scared of it? Probably not. They would never say that. But in their teachings, it'll definitely come out in their teachings is you don't want to be um, dissuaded or confused by listening to anything like that. Got it. That, uh, from a, that, from that a promotes, Sunday worshiper. Yeah. Yeah. That promotes people going to church on Sunday. I what, mean, a, that is what is the view or have you even heard of it? The view of a vigil mass on a Saturday night. See, they, they, I don't think they even realize that they do that. They don't realize that we've gone to mass on Saturday for since Christ. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, like you said, every, always, every day, every day, every day, yeah, there, there is a, a mass every day. Yes. And I think that's the, one of the main things about Adventism is that they grew up, you know, the Adventist was born and bred and brought up in a Protestant America that basically has one day a week you go to church, which is, which for most people is Sunday, but that's the Protestant idea of a day of worship and Catholics don't have that notion. They don't have a day. They have a special worship on on uh, the Lord's, Lord's day because day. it's the day that Christ uh, rose from the dead. Dead, absolutely. But there is no such thing as a proper and right day of worship. Well, Adventists go just beyond saying there's a proper day of worship. They say there is a day that is of the devil. If you worship Christ on Sunday, that is of 
the devil. Right. So, I mean, it is far beyond just this idea of Sunday is is bad. Now, I mean, now is that do- somehow is that connected to some pagan theory? Is that connected to a they go into eschatology or the study of the second coming? Sure. Through Daniel and Revelation. Yeah. And they interpolate a lot of the things said, like the woman riding on the beast and the cup of holding the, the chalice of blood. And they interpret a lot of this as being the Catholic Church and what Catholics believe. And essentially, the whole entire focus of their eschatology or their Daniel Revelation seminars is that Catholicism is literally going to come after them and kill them physically, not just spiritually. They think, in fact, a few years ago, well, probably 20 years ago, there is a news write-up because on, at one of their camps, they had a mock uh, last day scenario where <laughs> they, these children, right? Were there unknowingly camp, they had gone at to camp. camp. And um, they brought in people with guns that did not look like fake guns. I mean, they yeah, had, they looked they, they, and so they did a last day scenario where Catholics came in with guns and rounded them all up. And they had fake, uh, the, their uh, camp counselors were fake killed. And it was, there was a lawsuit. To they're they're, they're the, always held at gunpoint. It used to be when we were kids it's a, that Catholics were going to cut their heads off. then it morphed into just basic slaughter yeah Yeah. so So, those out there that are sunday worshipers they believe that there's going to be a sunday law that comes down that whoever doesn't go to church on sunday will be hunt physically hunted down and slaughtered yeah that's what they and so that's what they're and and the, the the source of this is not from biblical study even though they think it is but it's from ellen white's visions she had visions and what is called the, the book she wrote called the great controversy and it's 600 and something pages and it is this thick thing that traces how the catholic church changed the sabbath um from uh the seventh day to the first day and so that's the entire point right. of the book. And that's why, because of the, t- the fourth, or they think the fourth commandment, you know, right. the uh, Catholics, obviously it's the Sabbath commandment is the third. Right. Yep. But anyway, so they, that is their whole thing is that the great test of all Christianity will be what day do you worship, do you worship on? Yeah. Got it. Okay. That's going to be the great test. Yeah. So I, I hate to be down this long rabbit trail, but that's the umbrella, the world that I was brought up in is this extremely orthodox view of things. And as a child, you know, I would get, I get, we have lots of Adventist family members. If I say this to them, they will disagree, but they don't exactly know why, is that it's based in fear. All that, everything is focused on the end times and Sabbath and so as a child, you don't know why. And if you, me, I would ask questions. Well, why is that, dad? Yeah. You would think my father, there's not a whole lot of people that would have known more about the faith than my father, maybe some professor somewhere. But in general, he was steeped in it from 13 years old. He was steeped in their schools all the way up and then ran the schools. Well, if you so, think about it, your father at that age not too far removed from the beginning of the church right but go ahead right right right. (laughs) really that's true i never thought about that yeah that's that's an interesting (laughs) thought it and so there's there's fear involved now whether an adventist today would agree with that or not but it's it's still have you ever seen an adventist debate no i'm not saying they've never happened i'm just saying if they are they're definitely not mainstream because in, in my opinion, they can't. They can't debate because they feel like they'll be deceived. It's a deception. Mm-hmm. If they talk to anybody about it and they get convinced differently of how they believe, then they've been deceived and they're lost. Got it. So it's this very <clears throat> difficult thing. It's difficult to leave Adventism. Very. Because it's like, like, for instance, the Mormons, very smiley, very sweet, very kind, but that undercurrent makes it difficult. And so me, 
I basically growing up in, instead of being rebellious, you know, I hate the church or anything like that. I, my mind just checked out God. as far as Adventism was concerned at a, at a fear. It's like, as long as you're on the books, you're good. Are you still on the Adventist books? You're good. Right. Well, <laughs> as we, uh, as I, I got older, I just got to where I just basically uh, checked out's really the best way to put it. Yeah. Because I started having children and it's like, I wanted them to know the Lord. Well, all I knew was Adventism. So I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. Go to church with mom. Sure. Yeah. But the minute, see, I thought I was marrying into this super because my family had been very liberal Adventists. I mean, we did crazy things like going out to eat yeah. on the Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, we, and then we drank Dr. Pepper, which is caffeine, caffeine, no is caffeine for, for and, and uh, so we were really super liberal. And so I actually was thinking I was marrying into a more solid Adventist background yeah. and bring, gonna raise my kids a little bit more uh, traditional than what the way I was raised. And then he didn't even, after we got, the day we got married, he was like, great, now I have to be an Adventist again. There was just some transition. But I, I would never verbalize it. No, I right. just knew yeah. there's something really wrong here. Yeah. I can never get any straight answers because they're not philosophical at all. You can't have a philosophical discussion with them because then that, you know, philosophy, you know, the handmaiden to, you know, where yeah. are you going to go if you start seeing things that are truth? And they go against what you believe. They never put themselves in that position. And they, they have this kind of sensor that can reach way out. And they can tell if the conversation is going to go there. And they'll stop having the conversation. Yeah. They just won't have it. Yeah. You know. And so, strangely enough, Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, probably not a good guy, as everybody knows. But Sherlock Holmes, I started to read Sherlock Holmes. And I never dreamed it would lead me to Catholicism. And it wasn't necessarily the content. It was, it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's vision of how you look for truth. So once I started to read that, then I heard from somebody about C.S. Lewis. I'm like, well, who's C.S. Lewis, you know? So I start reading, uh, uh, what's his? Mere Christianity? Mere Christianity. Started reading Mere Christianity. I was blown away. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Just, just blown away. And so I was just ravenously reading everything C.S. Lewis ever thinking. And it really got my mind going. And at about the same time, we started to have, uh, our, we had this Friday night, what would you call it? You know, where we would have, we'd have like a worship and we ate like. Oh, Yeah. Like, I don't know what you would call it, kind of a we had a, like a, a Jewish festival, yeah, a Jewish, a Jewish, <laughs> a Jewish um, festival on Friday nights. Yeah, we light the lamps, you know, light the the eight lights, the uh, Hanukkah yeah. lamp, and we do yeah. the. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it really wasn't based in in being a Jew. It was just being based, and we were trying to be holy, and we didn't even know it. Got yeah. it. And yeah. so, what we actively pursued because we we homeschooled our children. We actively pursued teaching them how to think. And so we would have deep, deep discussions about theology and God and the Bible and, and allowed them to think and, and, and verbalize things. And <clears throat> that really got the ball rolling. Um, it took Wait, a few what year, what year was that that you, if you remember, when you were reading C.S. Uh, Lewis and Sherlock Holmes? Probably 90, uh, I don't know, 92, 93, maybe around I, there. I don't remember. Okay. It was in the 90s, early It 90s, was in the probably. 90s, yeah. Okay, so the ball got rolling because of that. And yeah. then how, how long was that ball rolling? For well, the long <laughs> from, from, there, from there, I graduated from nursing school in 2000. I worked in the hospital since 92. From an Adventist college. Yeah, from an Adventist college, SWAU down in Keene, Texas. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, I graduated and only worked a little short time, six months to a year there. And then I went, I'm a travel nurse. And so we hit the road and homeschooled the whole time. Well, uh, 
about 2000. Well, actually starting right then, we started to go to different churches. Well, we left the Adventist Church in 2001. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. We formally sent them a, we're done. a letter and, and actually sent it. And it took a second time to get them to actually do it. Yeah, they, they ignored were, they it the first time. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, they left us on the books. So we took a second letter and they finally took us off the books. Well, we started to visit other churches, not necessarily church shopping per se, but we wanted to know, we didn't even know what we were looking at. Yeah, because we knew that what we were taught wasn't correct. We knew that, okay, just from philosophy and reading the Bibles ourselves, we're like, there's something wrong here. So we started to look into different churches, and we wouldn't just go there. We would track the pastor down, get an appointment with him, sit down with him, and talk theology with him. Many times, often. many times, often, yes. Now, was and this mostly at this point? I'm assuming Protestant denominations, Protestant denominations, yes. yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you something there was still that I used fear, uh, you could say fear or angst or whatever you want to call it about Catholicism. So, we, we were in our discussions, we decided, well, hey, let's just let's go to several churches and just see what they believe because there's got to be some fit somewhere, you yeah. know, um, <clears throat> and so we made a promise to God, we are going to search you out, no matter what, so we, on, on the road, we had a chance to go to many, many different churches. Yeah, there were weeks, for years, and I'm not, uh, for years, yeah. because in 2001 is when we left um, Adventism, and we started uh, looking and going at different churches, I would say three to five different services a week in yeah. a different denomination. Sometimes twice in the same because, day. Yeah, yeah, because we, you know, the Wednesday night prayer meeting you go to, a lot of them had a, a like a Saturday or Friday night service, and then usually um, there was a two or three sometimes. And and I'm telling you, we went to everyone. These were different denominations. These were research based visits. Yeah, they weren't drive by visits. Sure, sure. Yeah, because we took it very seriously. We're like, we gotta figure this out. And this What's was all on? before the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost. You know, at, at some point. So we, when we we really dug yeah. deep and went to the library and, yeah. and found found out the, uh, you know, the roads that uh, the uh, uh, that the founders, well, the founders, and and yeah. how they were associated with different uh, branches of the Christianity. So uh, yeah. Uh, so. In approximately 2006-ish, maybe 2007, we got, I don't want to say to the end of the list, but we got to a point where we're like, you know, all right. Uh, so we asked somebody and they said, uh, well, have you, have you tried, you know, checked out Catholicism? And we're like, uh, come on. We're like, Lord, really, do we have to go through this? We know they're heretics. Yeah. We know they're from the devil and they're going to chop our heads off. We know that. Right. But at this point, we <clears> did <throat> know that the yeah. Sabbath, but we had debunked the whole, yeah. you have to go to Sabbath. Right. Right. Uh, you had to, uh, you yeah. know, observe Sabbath. So we started, somebody said, Hey, go, well, go, go do RCIA. We didn't even know what it meant. We're like, what is that? They said, Oh, it's just information. It's an information uh, group or, you know, that's all they told us. So we joined an RCIA, which is a whole entire story unto itself. Um, the fact that we made it through RCIA and became Catholics is a miracle unto itself. Really? Wow. So, yeah. So um, RCIA, like I said, was very interesting. And it came down to the last day where you have to make a decision. Well, not the last day of RCA, but no. the last day you have to make a decision. Right, you had to make a decision to, to go on. And we prayed and we've been praying, earnestly praying. And it's just, we were sitting in the parking lot and I was like, you know what? It's, it, it's about uh, authority and that's all there is to it. And I had to, I felt like I had to screen out all the static going on there oh but what about this what about that they did yep. something wrong in 703 and look at this you know all this stuff is going through my head it's like no stop 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 it a second because <clears throat> i thought if this is my father i'm looking at right i could say the same thing about him do i quit him too 
start. That's all right. No problem. Mother. Um, and so it came down to me for authority. And there is so much evidence in history. And like Marcus always says, you know, to be deep in history is to be Catholic, you know. And <clears throat> so for me, that was the drawing line. Mine was more simple because I already had some, I don't know if I want to call it animosity towards Seventh-day Adventists. It's just the fact that they never would answer my questions. And I earnestly asked questions of them. And every time I asked them, it was always the same thing. They would give me something from Ellen White. I mean, I couldn't go into the Bible and find that. I would read it and, and just say, wait, wait, there's something wrong here. That can't be right. This says this. How do you get from here to here? And they, they, they could never explain it. Now, there are people like Doug Batchelor. I don't know if you are familiar with Doug Batchelor. He's one of that their, name. Yeah. One of their premier evangelists. He's um, very <clears throat> adept at taking something that is not and 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 making it into something that it is mm -hmm. to support Adventism. And you know. He just makes it very confusing and he makes people, um, I, I'm not sure exactly the words for He's him. very, very, he's talked so quickly and pulls out Bible verse after Bible verse and reads this. Read, and so it, it, you don't have time to even assess what he's saying because it's so quick. Right, and, uh, right. Well, I, I think at some point I made a video, maybe it was my testimony. I was talking about, uh, and you mentioned this, the lens, the, the glasses that you're, that you're wearing. Well, everyone has to ask that question, who fashioned the glasses that you're wearing when you say sola scriptura, when you say yeah. these yeah. things, who produced those glasses in the yeah. first place to yes. lead you to believe, well, now I'm going to look at the Bible without any bias. Yeah, right. Now I'm going to look at the Bible without any tradition that was handed to me. Yeah, right. So yeah. you're forced to go upstream and figure out like, what is the source of the glass? Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's right. And so for me, my my trip, although daunting at times, was was easier than my wife's. I um, I had already kind of checked out. Now I was reading, and I I, I love the Lord, <clears throat> but I didn't I didn't trust Adventism anymore, at all. I don't know that I ever did, but if there was any, it was gone. And when I started reading about Catholicism and seeing the history, the, the extensive, voluminous history, our comparison was like, I felt like I was playing in the smallest, tiniest, little blow up uh, pool without this much water in there, okay? And somebody just took it and dumped us into the Mariana Trench. It's like, what? And so when we started to read about the history of Catholicism through Catholic people, first of all, because, you know, it dawned on me, we're always taught uh, in Adventism from Adventist people who are anti-Catholic and then write a book. How, how much of that can you trust, you know? So we started to read Catholics about Catholicism and it really, really blew us away. To be able to take steps all the way back, you'll see the whole list of the popes all the way back. You know, it is so amazing to see. And I no longer had to deny history and it was absolutely phenomenal. I'm not just picking out something that somebody did wrong and saying, yep. dump everything because of that one spot right there. No, exactly. no, no, no. You, you had to say, wait a second. Did God leave his church abandoned or did he, he have his church and, and fulfill his promise of never leaving his church? Between that and uh, <clears throat> the history, I just, I, I, I flipped, absolutely flipped. 
over Catholicism. That's that's incredible. And so and that, that was that was was that happening in the midst of RCIA, or were you having these moments? Yes. Yeah, I would say RCIA was the uh, thumb screws that yeah. really, and I needed that. I needed that. I needed not to just be uh, whipping back and forth and, and throwing accusations. It's like, no, stop. Now, what's true? You've got this history and this history. Oh, look at this atheist. He verifies this history. So it wasn't just our historians. It, it's, it's, yeah. All historians, except when you come to the Spanish Inquisition and you know how that goes. That's absolutely. Ridiculous. Well, I think it's actually a testament when when you can openly talk about some horrendous periods yeah. in a 2000 year span. And while you're doing that, like you said, don't forget to highlight the saints that were doing work that That's right. is That's right. unbelievable. And all of them claimed Jesus Christ, and all of them claimed the Catholic Church. You know what I mean? So right. forget right. those that are, you know, that run amok and, and do these yeah. uh, crazy things. I think that that is, that still speaks to the longevity, because and, if you were expecting something to be perfectly yeah. pure, where would the church be? At, where would anybody be? Where I would mean, any of us be? That's right. You know, but go ahead. You were saying. The, 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 I, so another thing that really blew me away during this time was we saw a book or a list of everything that Catholicism had established on its own, not from something. They didn't adopt something, you know, universities and this and that, it, just this giant list of things. What's that book, how, how the something built western civilization the church is it how the church built western isn't that yeah, what it is yes i'm i don't know verbatim what it is but that sounds well, right. we i remember we reading that one together before uh we became catholic and we were just absolutely astounded yeah totally astounded and, and another thing that hit me when i started to read the bible now the actual bible okay not the uh version that Martin Luther tore to shreds and you start reading that and then read the same things that you've read your whole entire life through the lens of Adventism it didn't make sense now you believe in the Eucharist now you believe in primacy of of I will not leave you and all these this litany of things and you start reading it then and you're just like wow it actually makes sense it makes sense now for once it finally makes sense you don't well, have to have 10 sermons on trying to get you to think in a particular way you can actually see it for yourself right in front of your face yeah i there was a quote i hope i don't botch it someone just said this when i read the bible i became protestant once i became catholic i understood the right. bible and because as a revert I've heard countless people say my eyes were open because they had not read the Bible and someone is right next to them saying, this is what it means to be saved. And they're saying, oh my gosh, I see it. But no one in that moment says, well, what about all these contradictory verses that would basically say, no, that's not it. That's not the whole story. That's piecemeal. So yeah. that happens to a lot. I mean, that's when you talk about the church hemorrhaging. A lot of people obviously become atheists, but many will just say, I never saw the Bible, you know, I never saw it this way, you know, with no context or to yeah. my point, that interpretation that you just read into the Bible that you can trace to the 15, 1600s. Yeah. You know, another thing that blew me away was before we got married, she had read the Bible probably 20 times all the way through was the most unbelievable in a Protestant uh, Bible, what do they call that when you, Bible debate, not debate, it's the game where you're trying Oh, we had, our church has Bible bowls where you, Bible have, bowl, you yeah. know, the kids all get together and they have Bible games where they are in competition to, you know, oh, and they, there's even been a, a TV show like that where the oh, kids yeah, that all was actually good. get together yeah. and who knows the Bible better than anybody else. Anyway, she had already gone through it. I had never gone through it ever I, I had i i couldn't care less it didn't mean anything to me because every time i'd read something somebody would say no, no no that's not what it means what 
what would it end right there that's not what it means or would yeah it would end right yeah. there see that's what i was talking about philosophy is they cannot adventists don't talk philosophy because they think you will be deceived they go off of what what paul says about uh what does he say vain philosophy or you know vain traditions right. of man philosophy and all that right right got it and so i after we were married we started to read the bible together now i've I've probably read it through with her maybe 10 times at least. So she's going on like 40 times. I'm going on 10 times. And every single time, praise be to God, because of Catholicism and being able to think, just like this morning, we were reading about John the Baptist. We spent an hour and a half talking about John the Baptist and him baptizing people and what it meant in the, his clothes and it all it all works it works when you when you have a a, a catholic um, understanding of it yeah yeah now teresa where did you have that same moment around you know when arthur was well, going through rcia with you no actually we we the, totally the crazy different. thing is our, our our experience is extremely different because mm -hmm. he worked so hard he was in school and working nights and so for about 20 years of our marriage, we barely got to see each other because I was homeschooling the kids and, and uh, we were very, very busy, but I was super involved with Adventism. I loved Adventism. I mean, I was, I mean, I wasn't as zealous as going in door to door knocking because some Adventists are that way. They do the Mormon thing, but I was, I loved being Adventist. I loved Sabbath. It was just the favorite day of the week. Unlike him, where they had so many restrictions on Sabbath, that it was um, a miserable day. My dad and my mom made it fun. We would go get donuts and we'd have people over. And it was, it was uh, just a really fun day. Well, my eyes started to be opened up when um, a friend of mine who was not married uh, got pregnant. And uh, she came and told me that the Seventh-day Adventist OBGYN that she was going to offered to give her an abortion. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what? Well, actually people had told me, you know, through high school, through my childhood, people had been whispering back and forth that, oh, you know, she got an abortion or she, and, or, or, or this, this Seventh-day Adventist uh, Bible teacher took this young girl to get an abortion. But when you're a kid, it just goes past it. Well, all of a sudden, all of this came back. And I was like, wait a minute, doesn't our church speak against us? And I started doing some, um, some research and I found out that's just uh, not true. Our church, the Seventh-day Adventist church was as pro-choice, not only was it pro-choice, but I went undercover because I was pregnant <laughs> at this point, you know, we were married and I was pregnant and I went undercover and asked for abortions in Adventist church. And uh, if you went to the, um, what do they call it? The, the public relations director, they would say, oh no, well, we don't do abortions. You go in and you talk to Adventist doctors. They're like, yes, we will do an abortion. And I, and, and I would uh, ask them, okay, well, what, what week would I need to be before, you know, it's too late. And then no, there's no, there's no week would be too late. We, we do abortions up to birth. And I just couldn't believe it. And I went around and I, I thought, okay, well, my big thing was I'm going to stay in and save my church because my church has definitely got this part wrong. And so I stayed in for 15 years and I became um, president of Adventist for Life. Now it had no connection to any uh, uh, pro-life group at all. It was its own because of course you couldn't go into those others because you'd be deceived. And so uh, for 15 years, um, we had a handful of people, but nobody in my family, including him, was not, he was supportive in the fact that he showed up when I needed him to show up, but he, everybody was embarrassed by me. My family was embarrassed by me. Don't make, don't make waves because Adventists make in their heart, they don't believe abortion is wrong, but they connect it. They connect with abortion with the church and state, they believe it's a political thing that if you were to stop abortions, that would end up making morality, uh, taking morality into the political realm, which you want a separation of church and state. Because the minute, the minute you don't have a separation of church and state, those Sunday laws are coming in and you're going to die. In other words, they saw abortion as a wedge 
to get in so the church then can then uh, be infiltrated by the state and they'll take control and then the Sunday movement is going to start. So, I mean, this was very, very worrisome. So they thought you can't protect babies because we may die. If, if we protect babies, then we may end up having to be martyred for the Sabbath. So I knew something was terribly wrong, but for 15 years, I tried to stay within the confines of the church. And after working my way to the top over and over, um, having the top people, even one of their, uh, the head theologian in their, the general conference of Seventh-day Adventists, the top heads, one of their theologians there said to me, you know, some Adventist hospitals are abortion mills. And they didn't, they were, they were not um, open and upfront with the people. The people did not know that this was happening and, and they would deny it, but it was absolutely happening. And once you got past the, the, the people, the main lay people, and you started talking to the, uh, the people in control of the Adventist church, they were all very pro-choice. They were openly pro-choice. The, the uh, president of the Adventist um, general conference was pro-choice. And so they didn't mind telling me. And you, then you'd turn and try to tell the people and they were like, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. So um, anyway, that was the thing that got to me was um, that was kind of my impetus to finally, finally leave the Adventist church because after 15 years of just hearing the most, some of the most horrible things you can imagine. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say before I forget about the point that you made is when you sought to find the a specific teaching. I think that's the key because we're going to find people all over that are doing, again, like we said, horrendous things, but is there a declarative statement related to the dignity of life related to certain matters? And, but anyway, I think that all of that points to the Catholic church, but, but go ahead. You were saying that was kind of like the, the final straw. I just thought it was cool that that's really what it comes down to is like, who's teaching authoritatively on this matter right yeah well the adventist church just recently came out with an actual statement that claims they were pro-life but when their protocols for because everybody was watching because the adventist church has done this for 50 years or 49 years is that they um they sound pro-life in their doctrine but they behave pro-choice in their hospitals and so this last time they came up with a beautiful pro-life statement, very strong. But when they brought out the actual protocols that they're gonna use in their, um, in their hospitals and in their teaching, it was a, a life or health of the mother, mental which health. meaning social health, um, mental, health. mental health. And so how this is playing out now in their hospitals we don't know I, i'm not connected enough to have that information but anyway so i'm very skeptical if you hear the adventists are pro-life finally and, and most most people believe they are most adventists believe they're now finally pro-life the problem is now when you go back and you look at how they're going to implement their pro-life st status it's still pro-choice but anyway so that's finally what got me interested in catholicism and i've got so many cool stories i could tell of how God just sent miracles, you know, uh, into my life uh, with the Knights of Columbus, um, showing up and helping me with pro some pro-life stuff that I didn't know who the Knights of Columbus were. And when I found out they were a Catholic organization, I freaked out. <laughs> and so uh, finally, once we left Adventism, it was over the abortion. That was actually when we put our, our, uh, our uh, you know, resignation letter in i had many many things i said but the truth was it was just because of abortion is the reason we i left in 2001 because i said you're you're duplicitous and if you're duplicitous on such an important point you know you you may be duplicitous in a bunch of them so anyway um so that's when i had had it i'd finally and he had never been interested in Adventism since we got married from the day we got married he was he was he felt finally free to be his own man and not ever go to church and um so I kind of raised my the kids myself in a spiritual way Adventist and by the way all three of our adult children um left Adventism and came into Catholicism no kidding so 
yeah, all of them. And they were all adults, you know, when we, we finally, and they all did their own research. So uh, anyway, I was, I'm just thrilled beyond belief at that. And I think when you, they saw us go through the process of leaving Adventism and searching for truth, where we had to stand up against everybody, we, we, we're kind of their heroes. And I know, I, I don't want to say that like, it, it, but I mean, it's true. They saw us as incredible heroes to go out. And the only reason I'm saying this is to let people out there know that's how you keep your kids in the church. If you need some, some, some knowledge is be your child's hero. Don't be their friend, be their hero. And they're going to follow you back into the church or however it is, because you don't have to. You be joyous about being, being a Catholic. Be joyous, be excited, and let them see you suffer for it. And that, let them see that's so good and that's why it's so important as arthur was saying that if we don't have the answer to something that we get them the answer because that is so fundamental to catholicism what is truth let's go through the, through the whole story of salvation history whatever it is so that you understand how these things developed where the church started etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that's very important yeah so while we were traveling, um, because, you know, as a family, because he was a nurse, um, we ended up in New Bern, North Carolina. And uh, we had get toward, we were towards the end of our list of all the different, because we had made a list of it, all the different churches we wanted to try. And we were getting at the end of the list. And I was on an online uh, group, talk, a religious group, and it had Jews and it had a couple of Buddhists and it had Catholics. And the truth for me was, is they kept saying things about Catholicism that I thought were outright, outright lies. I was like, no, that is not what Catholics believe. You are not telling me the truth. And so in a sense, when we finally went to RCIA, I did it to be able to come back to these guys online and go, see, you are not telling the truth. So we went, and I mean, I had an attitude. I mean, he was very skeptical, but I had an attitude where that poor pastor because I would ask questions I'd say no you are wrong <laughs> I, I would stand up and, and it was very embarrassing as I look back but just the way I was you know and he kept saying boy when you finally have your first confession that's going to be a doozy <laughs> and I was like uh, well anyway so um so anyway but the one thing that the RCIA there in New Bern uh, at that time, their church was being redone, and so they were all meeting in uh, a um, their gymnasium for the kids for the first time we went. But RCIA met in the library of the um, kids, I mean, of the school, and so they had all these Catholic books. And so I would come early to RCIA, and I would pull out and read the books because I wanted to know if even the people in the RCIA were telling us the truth. And I got in, and I think it must have been an old encyclopedia, one of the older encyclopedias, because there were lots of them. You know, there was just this long thing of, of Catholic encyclopedias, you know, from A to Z. And I went into marriage, and it was like 20 pages of, of a doctrine on marriage. And I sat there and I wept. I, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever read in my life. And then when you started to read the catechism, the catechism is next to the Bible in absolute beauty. I mean, I think you could just tell somebody that don't skip around in the catechism. Don't go yeah. into the interesting parts where you want to just prove us wrong. Start from the beginning. You read the catechism and it is a story of Christ that is just beyond belief, the beauty of it. So anyway, that's what we started to do. We started to do in-depth reading and, and we just fell in love. I mean, because th the moment that I had was because I had known the Bible like the back of my hand. Yes. I literally, like he said, I had read it so many times. I knew it. I could, I, I had memorized. I could, you know, tell you where everything was. But I, I had it, I knew what it said, but I didn't know what it meant. And when Catholicism came in and said, this is what this means, I could scan, woo, I could scan it all and go, that's right, there's nothing in the Bible that contradicts what you said. And, th and then there's that one. And so I could, I could like put it together. And within, I would say, 10 or 15 days in RCIA, I went from utterly I laugh, I, I insulting, I, I insulted my poor, that poor priest and made, and, and, and told him what, where he was wrong. 
in front of everyone <laughs> to absolutely on my knees saying, wow, my God, my God, I know nothing. <laughs> you know, uh, how can I know this, but that someone helped me understand it, like, like Philip did, or the Ethiopian said to Philip. And so, I mean, I was knocked down and everything that I thought I knew was, but, but the difference was I wanted it so bad, I could overcome my own ego because I wanted truth that badly. Wow. Well I'm said. <laughs> well said. Well, that ties nicely to what Arthur said about authority. Because right. many people would say, like I said earlier, someone was over my shoulder and they're teaching me where, what to see. And, you know, they wouldn't say it that way, of course. But, yeah. but ultimately, you can research the tradition. You can, and that's what's so great about the catechism. How does this verse connect to this other verse? How does this commentary from the second century connect to this doctrine? How did the early church begin? What were the practices? You know, Justin Martyr just still just blows my mind seeing the layout of the mass in 155 yeah. Yeah. AD. Um, that, that I think right there was another big uh, explosion, if you will, for me, was to start reading the fathers of the church. <clears throat> yeah. And you look at the dates that they're writing this stuff. Exactly. You're like, what? Yeah. This is amazing. Well, so for us, it was theological. This was all, we didn't have any person. We were like, oh, this person's so wonderful. We don't become Catholic to be like them. Right. We literally, and so when we see all the, the fall of all these, because we came in during the John Jay, at, right after the John Jay report had come out. And so we saw the evils in the church from the beginning. Yeah. You know, we saw the, uh, when we were in RCIA, there was a huge, uh, fight between the, the more traditionalists and the more liberal Catholics in that church. And we were being ping-ponged back and forth. You know? <laughs> and so we walked in, we walked in knowing this, but we were like, you know what? It doesn't matter because wherever, ch whatever church you're in, there's going to be people and people are going to be sinful. And the theology is, this is the theology that good, Christ yeah. That's right. taught. And if it's been preserved, that's the church we have to be in. We don't have a choice. If this is the church Christ started, then we don't get an option of, well, but I like Luther a little bit better than Christ. Yeah. Oh, I like, you know. Yeah. To whom shall we go? I mean, that's really what I, that's, that's, that's the point that I reached as well. I just said, there are going to be uh, talks of division and everyone's angry at each other. And this person was offended. If that's a reason to leave a church, um, I, yeah. I realized in myself that I could, I could justify moving to a new church every year for the rest of my life if I wanted to. Right. But then when I finally get past my ego, I say, oh my goodness, who is the authority in this matter? If it's me, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So there's a wonderful humbling that happens. And people don't realize this. The humbling that you go through to become Catholic gives you the freedom you will never understand until you've gone through it. It gives you, you cannot have joy and peace and humility and you cannot, there is, there is a, a kingdom awaiting you, but you have to go through that little humble and, and it hurts. <laughs> Let's admit it. it it's painful, yeah. but you know what? It's worth it. If you really, and, and it's like, I see so many people resist because they don't want to be humble. They don't want to ever admit the Catholic church was right about anything. And so it, it is, it is a, um, it's an unmasking <laughs> and it, it's very painful and it can be very painful. Now he, he didn't have that much pain because, because I loved Adventism. It was very painful. For well, me. you know, for me, it wasn't even, it may, I, there may have been pain there, but I didn't care. Because I was looking for a leader. Right. I was looking for a true, you know, leader, uh, kind of like uh, the people looking for, uh, you know, <clears throat> and the Maccabees all of a sudden show up on the sea. Yeah. You know, how wonderful is that? And that to me was the, the big deal, was the leader. And then after, after that, everything else is, I don't want to say is downhill, it is it becomes understandable. And if it's not understandable at the time, you know, it's going to be understandable. 
that that's what's so wonderful about it. It's like, if I was to look at what I knew then and then what I know now, and then, you know, literally day, but every single day we read, every single day we, we, we look at the church. I no longer have a problem looking at Pope Francis and saying he's got some problems, but that's okay. Bishop so-and-so has some problems, but that's okay. It's still the Lord's church. Yeah, read history once again. Read history. It's like how how is the church still here after two thousand yes. years? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, and and one other little thing that I I want to because I I think we only have a couple more minutes yeah. here, but I want to stress is if I could just reach out to Catholics who are are going to watch this and just beg you, <laughs> beg you. You know, when we went through our CIA, there was this idea that, you know, hey, we're all okay. You know, Protestants are okay. And, and you know, just be the best, the best Christian you can. And don't worry about what denomination you're in. Right. And I would like to say that, then if you're a Catholic that believes that, you've never understood the desperation of people, of Protestants out there who are trying so hard to be good, to be righteous, to be holy and not having the sacraments to help you. I mean, it you are continually swirling and swirling and you can't get better. And I saw this and I continue to see it in my Adventist family and friends and, uh, and other Protestant groups. This, you want to be good and you can't. You can try and until you understand the banquet, Catholics, you have a banquet of food through our, your sacraments and through the beauty of your church. And please don't think that, that Protestants are like that. Protestants don't have the banquet you do. They're subsisting. And in a strange and wonderful way, Catholics are subsisting on a very, on a fast diet all the time. They, they are just get the crumbs from the table and they're happy to do it. We're getting the crumbs from the Catholic church and they grow to be giants of the faith and they have great faith. But you've got a banquet that please don't keep from Protestants. Let that, let your love for Protestants help you to share the banquet you have. In, in, um, and if you don't believe that you have a banquet to share, I, then, then um, let me just tell you from having gone into it, uh, you do, you are living in a kingdom. You are living the kingdom of God. Anyway, so I'm done. I could go on. <laughs> but, well said. Uh, well said. Yeah, I think ecumenism can get to a point where it's like, are we defending our faith and, and are we, are we walking and sharing? I think that would re reduce the, um, the accountability to, to witness and to be yeah, yeah. on fire constantly and to yes. pick up and, and be ready to defend what you believe. So right. yeah, no, that's a well, 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 said, yeah. Teresa. Um, you think that a lot of Catholics feel guilty because they're not as on fire as some of the Protestants? See, I sense that the Catholics kind of feels, you know, why, why should I, why should I um, teach somebody who's already more on fire and knows the Bible better than I do? And um, they may be on fire, but they still, again, they don't have the sacraments. And so, yes, they may be on fire, but they're falling to the same sin year after year after year and they don't have the sacraments they don't have the what christ set up to sanctify us so. arthur is there anything else you want to end with uh we, i oh yeah i was gonna say we could go on a long time <laughs> um, to do this again yeah we love to uh <clears throat> you know for me i think that was a i just want to double down on that point is that I no longer look at any, any type of downfalls of Catholicism in the same light. I just don't. Um, it, I kind of expect it. You just don't know where it's going to pop up. So what is it going to be? You're going to throw it out and just say, forget it. Or are you going to say, now Protestants will say the same, well, it's the same thing with our church. Well, no, because you don't have the primacy. Yep. <laughs> 
It, it's as simple as that. You don't have the authority to say that. We do. And so I, I no longer have an angst, a, a, a fear, because there's some bishop or cardinal somewhere that happens to not be the best person. Yeah. The Lord will deal with him and you'll have to answer to the Lord. But that doesn't change anything that the beauty of Catholicism to the church is that it doesn't change it at all. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you so much for your testimonies. I love uh, interviewing couples. Everyone, if you like the video, comment, subscribe, and what else? Do whatever it is that you all do. The channel. Yeah, share. Share the video. Yeah. Um, and until next time, take care and God bless. Bye.